Hello and welcome to Cage Club. Two fans, 77 movies, one cage. Today's movie is The Trust from 2016. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us again, for appearance maybe number 8 or 9 or 10, I don't even know anymore, Tobin Addington. Hello, welcome back, Tobin. Hey guys, this is uh, so much fun to be back. This is a very important movie that we're doing because this is the first, like, quote-unquote, in-real-time movie that we're doing. Like, we finally caught up. We did Pay the Ghost in January. Now The Trust is out on DirecTV. We were all able to see it. We're finally caught up with Cage Club. This is basically, I mean, like, we did the one live episode of Cage Club, but this is like a live-to-tape caught up, like, this is in the moment. Like, this is like a breaking news. This is actually, like, something happening. Uh, this is week of release review. I think it's the very first time we've had one of these. Like you said, we're all, we're all cut up. This is first new release for Cage Club, and thus we've bumped up the episodes uh, in the opening from 76 to 77 once again. Yeah, so th- from now on, it's, it's going to be like this. We'll be doing new releases when they're released. Do you guys have Whiplash? Because you burned through his catalog in an epic fashion. And, and you're going to need neck braces or something here as you adjust to a sort of regular pace. Well, now that we're doing Keanu Club and only putting out one episode a week, I think we're both kind of bored. It's just weird how <laughs> doing it like at a normal pace just feels slow. Like, it feels like unbearably huh. slow. And so it's fun now to have Cage because he's got this movie out now. He's got, I believe, USS Indianapolis coming out in a month. He's got Snowden later this year. He might have, you know, who knows, depending, you know, we all, we all know how busy he is. He might have a surprise movie or two hit on demand sometime later this summer. You know, the more that we can sort of entertain ourselves with in terms of Cage Club, the better I think it is for our boredom and our psyches, maybe. Well, and the better it is for your fans. We all love it. Yeah, I think I was definitely getting a little tired towards the end of the marathon. That was the phase one of Cage Club. I think you could hear it in the Pay the Ghost episode. I'm kind of glad we're putting something up now, and that's not the last one standing anymore yeah <laughs> and and from now on they kind of they're gonna feel more special i think you know we're gonna have to soak them in and appreciate them a lot more because they're gonna be few and far between when i saw this at south by southwest at the world premiere i loved it i love love loved it and like the crowd was super into it and elijah wood was there and the directors were there and there was like this electricity in the room and always like at film festivals it's easier to love films there because you have like this group of people who know that they're at something sort of special, and there's like this, just there's like a there's like a sense of magic, kind of rewatching it again by myself in my living room. I still like the movie, but it doesn't necessarily hit that same high watermark. The good thing is that even if it's not the best movie, it's better than a lot of his recent movies, <laughs> and I think his character, his performance, is one of the best in the last like ten years. Like aside from Joe and Bad Lieutenant, like it's it's one of the best ones we've seen in the 2000s. I think he is like great in this movie. It's like the part was written for him to show off his particular skill set as an actor and it's just like fun to watch. It's totally true. This is a really engaging movie and I think a lot of it has to do with these two performances. It's sort of a two-hander through the thing between Elijah Wood and Nicolas Cage and they're both really well cast and and just have a like a crackling chemistry. I mean it's really they, they play off one another really well and I think that, that that goes a long way toward making the movie as engaging as it is. Just want to go back quickly and say I think it's awesome that Joey was at the world premiere of this film at South by Southwest. That was great to have Cage Club represent in there. Like you guys are saying about these guys, 
I feel like these roles are really fit these actors' strengths very well. I was mentioning to Joey that this is a great Elijah Wood role as well as a great yes. Cage role because it's totally playing to his strengths, and you can sort of tell that he knows that, and he's going, he's he's pushing what he can do well, so he's doing it better. I don't, he's coming across really well for me in this film. And yes, they play off each other really well. And this Cage kind of reminds me a bit of his big daddy civilian persona from Kick-Ass a little bit. And yeah. it's, it's almost if he doesn't become <laughs> superhero, never had a daughter, or didn't get married, and got transferred to Las Vegas to become a cop, and this is what happened to him there. But he's got the mustache, he's got a bit of the belly, he's you know, he's carrying himself with a lot of energy, and, and yeah, I'm I'm really into him. He's a little bit of a restless soul in both. So, like, yeah, if you're, you know, if he doesn't have that daughter to occupy his time or this, like, vendetta to hunt down this guy who killed his wife, then maybe he would get bored and just decide to rob a place full of diamonds. Who knows? Well, and he is the biggest surprise in this movie. Not Nicolas Cage, but the character, the, the, the sort of what you realize about the character as the story goes along. And you can really see why he took this role, right? I mean, it plays to so many of, of his strengths, Mike, as you were saying, you know, from sort of, oh, he seems kind of wacky and befuddled to, oh, wow, he's more sinister and crazy maybe than than you had anticipated. You know, and I think that that works really well to both his and, and the movie's advantage. I would be curious to know, and Joey, maybe you could tell us, since the directors were at the premiere, did they say anything about, did they really write this for him or did they rewrite it for him once he came on board? Or do you know anything about how in, involved he was in the sort of conception of this character? I don't remember that exactly. I did record the entire Q&A on my phone. It's like 17 minutes long and so by the time this episode goes up I will have posted this on our Facebook page which is facebook.com slash cageclub. I don't know that they wrote it for him I remember that one of the questions was like, how do you get a Nicolas Cage in your movie? Because this is their first movie. These two guys, this is their you know, co-directors, this is the first thing they've, wrote, they've done feature-wise. They come from the world of music videos. And I think they had some connection in the music video world who knew him. And they got the script to him and he said yes. And then Elijah Wood wanted to do it because he always wanted to do a movie with Nicolas Cage. So he was on board. <laughs> and then... Cage convinced Jerry Lewis to do it because he always wanted to do a movie with Jerry Lewis. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this whole like web that like once Cage fell into place, then all these other actors fell into place too. I don't remember if they said, I mean, we can watch the video that's on the page. I don't remember that they said that they wrote it for him, but I, I think it is, like you guys were saying, it's like the perfect part for him. There's so much more subtlety going on as the movie goes along that I started to realize about his character a lot of his behavior sort of dawned on me that it was almost a defense mechanism for his how just how desperate his character becomes and, you know and he says a couple times in the film that he's all in and it just didn't really dawn on me towards the end of the film just exactly how serious he was about all this because he is sort of trying to keep it light he doesn't want his partner to doubt himself he's trying to keep the situation light and he jokes a lot and all that but under the surface there's a lot of fear and desperation going on with this guy and Cage is just playing it really well for me. So what I really like about this movie is that there are so many Cage connections right off the bat that we are back in Vegas, that Cage is a cop once again, that as we've seen him in a couple movies recently, as he's gotten older, he sort of fills that mentor role. Uh, that he's sort of this... Uh, he's not like partners with Elijah Wood, but you can tell that they're kind of friends on the force. 
and that he sort of mentors Elijah Wood, I think, a little bit. I think he likes to think he's a mentor to Elijah Wood, and it's just, he, <laughs> he's he's just got his seniority over him, so he can tell him what to do and stuff like that. Yeah, like like he puts Elijah Wood on special assignment, and Elijah Wood's like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he's just like, because Elijah Wood just hates his job, does not want to be a cop, is bored all the time. Cage is like, I'm, really, like, I'm just going to use this kid because I can. Like, nobody's going to say no, so let's just get it done or something. And we also have uh, Cage with the mustache stash happening here i mentioned a little earlier big daddy-esque and later on we're going to get one of my favorite versions undercover cage so i can't wait to get to that moment and we also go to a strip club i was looking around for little junior to see if little junior was running the strip <laughs> club or not but he's not there unfortunately i was in the theater and you know for the world premiere few people in the room have the neurotic level of cage knowledge that i do and that's not necessarily like you know a compliment to myself <laughs> like what we did was really unhealthy I think. Yeah. but you know as we're watching this we see like you know we go in the vegas we see him be a cop i'm like losing my mind <laughs> and nobody else is really like you know has that reaction obviously because nobody watched all of his movies in six months and nobody knows that he's been in vegas you know seven or eight times that he's been a cop in a handful of movies but it's just like cool to see like you know we're talking about how it's like written well for him as an actor but also you know kind of like that movie that we were joking about writing about how it's all the cage connections in one I mean, aside from, like, you know, like a lack of peaches, this is kind of like all the things in Cage Club sort of rolled into one little package. No peaches and no beaches, but other than that. Mm. Yes, very well said, very well said. (laughs) Yeah, Joey, that's an excellent point because... I sort of realized that, you know, this is a on-demand film, and so it's not getting that um, feature release. You know, you can't go to the theaters to watch this movie, but I'm sitting here thinking it should be in theaters <laughs> because, like you're saying, like, it's hitting all these cage connections for me, but then I have to remind myself, like, I'm not normal at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right, right. It's appealing on, on just, like, a, such a different level to guys like us at this point. But, like, what's also kind of frustrating is that there's, like, these little moments... And we'll get to them as they sort of come up, but, you know, when he and Elijah Wood leave the strip club, and after they eat this lemon-soaked-in hot sauce, which is crazy, and the cage just does it because, like, that's what his character does, and Elijah Wood says, that tastes good? He says, no, it doesn't, but, like, he just does it, like, they, whatever. He just, it's like this, like, little weird character quirk. And they go outside, and Elijah Wood's talking to him, and Cage's like, hey, you see those women over there? Like, they're checking us out. And he takes out, like, his, like, mouth spray, <laughs> yes. and then just sprays it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. And, like, if you're, like, not exactly paying attention, you might miss it. But, like, it's such a little perfect moment that even if you don't know every Cage movie, like, it's the kind of thing that, like, I don't know how many other people could really pull off. I think maybe, like, a Sam Rockwell, like, we were just talking about Sam Rockwell before we started recording. You know, I also just saw Mr. Wright. Like, I think he could maybe pull it off, but, like, there's not that many people who are just, like, confident in their ability to look stupid. And Cage just does it so effortlessly and just so enjoyable. And that's why, Mike, I agree with you that, like, I wish it was in theaters, because that's the kind of thing that, like, you know, would get, like, a huge belly laugh and got a huge laugh at South By, because it's just, like, this really silly moment. And I, that's sort of, like, the thing that I want to share with people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just quickly jumping ahead, to there's a moment when they're on the roof talking about their plan later on. He pulls out the, um, the sunblock for his nose and just starts covering his nose with it while he's having a conversation. <laughs> with Elijah Wood just like you know it's not like just it's completely normal (laughs) like it's not distracting whatsoever to him or anything but it's that's another moment I believe you know very much in the same vein as the Banaka moment where he misses his mouth where it's like these are the little 
quirks that he brings to the character to take it up a notch. And if this was seen by a broader audience, I think they would start to realize his you know, comic appeal again and his subtlety and that he can bring these little bits of charm to, you know, otherwise sort of one-dimensional or just, you know, a flatter role that's not there, that doesn't exist until he comes on board and, and sort of embodies it. And one other moment like that, that was right around the same point in the movie, and this is, I think, you know, I've, I've made this pretty clear, this is one of my favorite things that he does. When they're walking into that hotel and, you know, they want to arrest a guy or talk to a guy or find out more information or whatever, and Elijah Wood's like, you look like a cop. He's like, well, I am a cop. But as they're walking in, Cage almost gets hit by that car, but he just, like, stops the car with his hand and then does my favorite thing. He just points at the driver, like, just, like, in total command <laughs> of the situation. And it's just, like, that little moment just, you know, other people can, like, stop it. I, I don't know. Like, I know that we have Cage Holmes syndrome and that we're, we're, like, obsessed with him and that we love these little moments, but, like, it's those things that are just, like, perfectly cage that just it just works it's just great it's just like a beautiful thing to see and you know i don't know it just it's things that we've seen over and over again you know i I think i love it because he does it so much but it's just like these little moments that you know like the banaka like whatever it's like these great little character quirks yeah you know the thing that both nicholas cage and elijah wood are doing so well especially in the first half of this movie is they're mining every moment for mm-hmm. both comedy and pathos right like and and not in an overly done way just as you say uh, very subtly you know and they're but they're not leaving any of those little moments on the floor and you have to you have to really be watching right like this this movie rewards active viewing and seeing them them both sort of either in scenes together or, or on their own sort of make all these subtle little shifts and turns toward comedy or or you know or you know tragedy uh i think that's it's working really well and the thing that that makes me want to see more from this directing team is that i think it's not just those two i think they're getting that a similar level of performance from the people they've cast in so many of the supporting roles right the mechanic that nicholas cage talks to about the tractor and then the car hey, it just has one scene and he just sort of plays a sort of deadpan in just the right way and then and then there's a there's a, an african-american lady that elijah wood has to go see who is <laughs> hysterical in her one scene and and again not in, not in an overplayed kind of way but but just sort of mining every moment uh for for sort of its its comedy charm i think we are you know we're in the hands of you know some story tellers who are, who know how to get those kind of performances out of their actors and that's that's got to be why they get why they were able to get some of these people in their movie because they're they're really good at it yeah i totally agree like i'm watching this movie saying like this is strong like there's strong performances it's strong directing i think if there's anything lacking here it might be a bit with the story and the script it's a it's a little too familiar we'll get to that but uh these guys can balance tones superbly i feel you know the opening introduction of elijah wood's character is awesome right (laughs) like he's just a shot of him just super sort of despondent laying there on the bed having sex right (laughs) he's he's getting compromised getting compromised let's let's use the case club apologies he's having miss mcgill's tea early in the morning (laughs) wrong wrong crossover oh sorry wrong podcast he's clearly just it's he's not there he can't even connect with this physical with sex and then there's the moment where he's paying the prostitute and he's like should i give her an extra 10 bucks yeah, you know, and it just says so much about his character that, like, he's having sex with a prostitute and he's not going to shortchange her, anything like that. 
and then he goes to work and, and he's what a forensic detective he, he's a cop i'm not quite sure what his role is but i don't think he he does either he sort of treats police work like it's retail you know i right. feel like it's just like he's going to applebee's to work to be a waiter that day but instead he's las vegas cop and he has to show up at a crime scene but he doesn't take it any more seriously than that so right because like in that first in that first scene we see him playing on that like basically you know simon game where he just you know making music with that electronic drum pad we see after the second guy who's been hiding in the closet jumps out and basically kicks that one cop in the face he just can't stop laughing him and professionalism do not mix like it's just like he's just gonna have fun whether he's supposed to have fun or not and i feel like he's just like never happy unless he's not supposed to be happy like, I don't know, I feel like he just has a, a real tough time with just, I guess, I don't know, like, emotions, or... Because we see him later in the movie go back and forth, and it's almost like he doesn't know what he wants in anything, in, like, in any respect of his life. Yeah, one of the things that I think this movie does well, again, with these two characters, is that they start out Elijah Wood's character, you know, he's this, you know, despondent, pot-smoking, hooker-banging, like, wormy little weirdo of a guy. And and you have Cage, who's introduced as as much more of a sort of, like, just a blue-collar, straight-arrow kind of guy. And then over the course of the movie, the, the they're sort of going to switch roles, or things are going to be revealed to us about Cage that sort of move him far off of center and then leave Elijah Wood as, as sort of the moral center of the movie in a lot of ways. And I think it's something that this, it's sort of subtly done and, and nicely here, too. I, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken their job is evidence collection right like they're the people who who scrape up the fibers and put them in the bags and you know what i mean like this is this is the okay the, yes the, the, the grunt work of being of in forensics these are not the they're not this is not csi do you know what i mean like these are the little guys who have to come along and you know like literally scrape up the blood in the, into the vial or whatever and so it's you know and it is portrayed i think beautifully as you say it's just a job to him right like just like kind of any other job you know this uh, and kind of a dead-end job it seems too I wasn't entirely sure exactly what their job was until later on when I saw him in the evidence room and and stuff like that. But yeah, there's just something very menial about their position. And I think what they're also going to have in common is they just kind of both get shit on a lot, right? Like there's just the chain of command just always runs downhill, like on top of them. A cage tries to bring up something pretty important to his captain at one point. And the captain is just like, oh, uh, can you just stop by the motorcade and pick up this tractor or look at it for my son-in-law and cage is like oh okay like you want me to do that now in the middle of the day at my job and so like there's just this feeling between both of them i feel that is just they're not appreciated and that's just something that might draw them together later on that they kind of come to appreciate each other to a degree at one point in this movie they're sort of even and then like you say Tobin I think you're right they they flip-flop their positions so one thing we mentioned earlier was about the tone and in terms of flip-flopping and just sort of going back and forth I think that one thing that the directors pointed out in the Q&A that was really important is that as you're saying you know the tone starts off like really like sort of goofy and silly we see Elijah Wood just like totally out of it having or getting compromised by a prostitute but like as the movie goes on and gets more serious, I think the directors do a really good job of flopping the tone or flipping the tone to be from this, like, sort of light-hearted, you know, buddy cop movie into this, like, really serious, like, cage man on a mission, you know, sort of crime thriller, kind of. And I don't know if, you know, do you guys agree that the tone sort of works, but I think that it shifts pretty seamlessly from something that's really, you know, kind of closer to popcorn entertainment to something that's like, oh, like, I, I'm not supposed to be laughing anymore because things just got real serious, like, in a hurry. 
Yeah, and it's not a slow transition. It's a it's a gunshot transition that that moves this movie into a into a deeper phase. I think, or at least uh, there's a moment that comes that that makes me reevaluate reevaluate Cage and the tone of the movie, or, or in a way that that I think was really I rewound it to watch it again. <laughs> to make sure I saw what I thought I saw. Are we there yet? Do we, do we spoil this thing now? Is this sure. Where? Cage goes to, like, they're gathering their stuff to do this job. Uh, and they haven't really, like, sat down to decide they're going to do this job, that they're going to break into this vault. So it's sort of come together almost organically, you know? And Elijah Wood is, is sort of sort of falling into it time and time again. And then Cage goes to buy to buy these guns from this guy named Bobo, which is funny because that's what I called myself when I was a, when I was a kid, when I was a baby, <laughs> like, before I could really, you know, say my own name. So she goes with Bobo and he's singing in the car, Bobo, and like acting like a complete, well, like a cop trying to buy, like a doofus cop trying to buy guns. Bobo, Bobo, Bobo's interesting, especially for someone who sells guns. <laughs> it's fun, you know. It's Bobo, 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 I'm Jim, by the way. And then, right. and then he gets the gun from the guy, and he has some small little interaction with him, and is checking one out, and then just shoots him in the head. Just yep. no hesitation, and, and then like puts his glasses down, like gets all the shit together, and then walks off into the back into the night. And and I write in my notes like, holy shit, he's a sociopath. Like mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. whole other movie from this point on, where it's like all my notes start to change. I'm looking now at like, oh my god, he's gonna try and pin this whole thing on Elijah Wood. He's not this sort of doofus guy he's seemed to be. He's been playing the longest long con ever. This is my sort of thought at first as I'm as I'm watching the next few scenes and i'm like oh my god so there's another cage connection which is some sort of con men in his cinematic history domestic men or beyond sure like, yeah, he's yeah, been, yeah this is this is a master plan this guy has yeah he straight up executes that guy and for me it's also the moment it goes from sort of a oceans two uh because there's only two of them uh like a fun <laughs> vegas heist flick to the stakes are high now this is the real like we have crossed the line and point of no return and, and what what's really sort of what i think is so effective at that moment for me is earlier we see another cop that ethan Embry plays him right he's like elijah wood and sort of being bullied by him and he jokingly plays russian roulette right? right but he never puts the bullet in the chamber so we see this guy who thinks he's a sociopath right and he's all scary and stuff but then we see cage and he's cool calm collected and he was just being really goofy and it's very unassuming when he just straight up executes this guy so yeah i think it's the point is very clear but the question that I have, and I, maybe I miswatched the movie, or, or I, maybe I misunderstood something, it seems like the whole point all along is that Cage and Elijah Wood seem like two cops that are sort of bored with their everyday monotony. And they see this opportunity as a way to get rich quick, basically set themselves up for life. And they get there, and they, they figure out that it's a much bigger score than they really anticipated. And Elijah Wood's like, he's like, you knew about this. He's like, people don't just, like, stumble upon this. Like, you knew about this, and you've been, like, planning this. And Cage's like, no, 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 like, I didn't. Like, I just, you know, I knew it was going to be, like, a score or whatever, and I have these plane tickets for you and me to get out of here. And then toward the end of the movie, and we're jumping way ahead, and this is, like, a big ultimate spoiler, is that Elijah Wood shoots and kills Cage because he has a change of heart. But then he finds in Cage's pocket two plane tickets, right? And so it wasn't necessarily that he was trying to con Elijah Wood. Like, I don't know if it was really like a long con, 
Like, I'm not sure. Like, maybe I'm just confused, but it seemed like he actually was genuine in that he wanted to get rich with Elijah Wood and then, like, get him out of there, right? Or no? I think that the ambiguity there, on one hand, is kind of cool, right? I think that because it keeps you guessing in that way. However, ultimately, one of the things that is on the sort of, you know, the the, the ding side of this movie for me is that it's a... Uh, is that you don't know. And, and I wish as the movie had gone on, it had decided... Maybe a little sooner, and maybe and maybe gone a little darker. Maybe had the conviction to go a little to go a little darker. And I think it it does. It gets close to there, but I I don't know. There's something that felt sort of. I kept waiting to find out why they were friends to begin with, and yeah. and maybe and maybe to find out if we found out why Elijah Wood thought they were friends to begin with, and then to find out oh no, this has been a spider's web this whole time and cages, you know, like or whatever it is. And I, I think that I think that that could have been. A, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I feel like. They, they never quite kind of came down on a side in a strong way. And that, for me, kept it from getting... It kept it very slight as a film by the end. It had these pleasures, these engaging pleasures of the performances throughout the movie, but that as a story, as an emotional experience, it, di- it didn't ever go somewhere ultimately satisfying for me because we never... Because we didn't get, get to know them in any kind of deeper way. They ended up being pretty close to what we thought they were i think at the beginning and i and the movie hinted that it had somewhere else to go and then it, i don't know that it went there well i think that one of the problems maybe is that the movie is almost too short like it's like an hour 31 with like seven minutes of credits and i think the pace is really effective in keeping you entertained and keeping you glued to the screen but i do wish that the like the ending does sort of feel rushed like i think it works in terms of telling the story but I think that, like, you know, going to what you were just saying, it doesn't explain the why enough. I just wish that we spent a little bit more time developing something. Because, like, toward the end, like, there's these moments of, like, genuine tension and genuine conflict. They actually drill down into the safe from this apartment above. And we're jumping all over. I mean, whatever, but it's fine. And Elijah Wood, he's, like, turning the dial and Cage is listening for clicks. And he finds it. And then Elijah Wood, like, then has this change of heart and it's not sure whether he should open it or not. And Cage, in like one of the, you know, probably ten best Cage freakouts maybe of all time, just keeps yelling at Elijah Wood, open it, open it, open it. I'm going to ask you one more time. Please open it. I can't. Open it! Open it! Jim! And like it's scary. Like this is like a moment of like real genuine kind of panic. Who knows what's going on here? Like we're we have like a madman on our hands. And then there's like other moments that just like feel like movie conflict or movie tension that just like feel like artificially created. And I wish that like because I mean we're we're complimenting the directors earlier that they're like these storytellers that they're able to like create these characters and create this world. And it's just sort of disappointing to see like these genuine moments of like excitement and tension and you know conflict mixed in with these things that just sort of fall a little bit flat. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think like I mentioned earlier, my only issue with this is sort of the level of store of the story. It's amazing, like how much you actually can infer without it being there, just because of the quality of the acting and, and everything else going on. You know, like yeah. I felt like I could fill in blanks pretty easily. You know, to my own satisfaction. I don't know if anyone else would come to those kinds of conclusions for those for these characters, but yeah, I, it does suffer from just a lack of sort of backstory, a little lack of elaboration 
situation. I would have loved to have obviously seen some more Jerry Lewis in this. Um, his interaction with Cage, you know, could have spoken volumes. We get two small scenes and you sort of get a hint that he may have been a cop and he's losing it, you know, maybe has some kind of dementia or something. And right. that could be a very strong motivator for why Cage needs money and things of that nature. But we never really get anything like that so but what we do get here i mean they do a really good job of pulling off you know but i yeah i just also kept thinking if they had not an extra twist but just took a different turn somewhere towards the end to make it less generic because it just sort of plays out like a heist film that goes wrong but with these two great characters right like we're dropping wood and cage into this situation to see how they are going to deal with it as you know and that's sort of the joy for me it's not that i'm going to get anything like they're going to it's not like they're going to open this vault and they're going to find like alien artifacts right or any they're not going to take it to like a clover <laughs> it's not national level. treasure three <laughs> yeah it's not national treasure three it's not cloverfield three it's nothing like that um but but you know I, I, would that have made it a better movie maybe maybe not i think a part of why this works as well as it does is because these directors are working with pretty basic material you know so it gives right. them a chance to do things elsewhere cuz like what's kind of frustrating is as you're watching it so the whole their whole plan is that there is this laundromat right and they're in the back, there's like, a, or maybe not a laundromat, but there's like some kind of storefront. In the back, there's a giant freezer, but it's not a freezer. It's actually holding in like a safe. In the safe, there's some untold riches. And above the storefront, there's an apartment. And so their plan is to get into the apartment. If there's people there, tie them up, whatever. And they even like blow over that in the movie. Like, hey, he's like, oh, we'll just tie them up or whatever. And Elijah Wood's like, well, what do you mean? Like, who's going to do that? He's just like, oh, like, let's not even worry about that. Like, whatever. Like, I think that's kind of funny that, like, it's such like a routine, you know, sort of heist, I guess, that. If the directors are kind of like making like a sort of a meta commentary, like oh, like who cares, like whatever, and that also that comes into like problems because there's two people there, and like you know they have to kill one, and then ultimately like there's like it leads to their downfall, whatever. But they're gonna go in that apartment and drill down. And the problem I think with this, and I don't think like you know if they did like a meta commentary here, it would be more entertaining. But like the the girl captive who isn't killed, you know, she sees Cage's face. And then, you know, we've seen enough heist movies to know if they see your face, like, they can't live. You know what I mean? And, like, that's, like, the conflict. And it's like, oh, like, that's like that's the level of creativity that we're dealing with? Like, we, like, that's, it just doesn't feel like enough. Like, you have these, like, terrific characters, like, with these great quirks, and then you just have, like, this really basic, generic, like, conflict. Like, oh, she saw my face, she can't live. And just, it's kind of, it's a little frustrating. If the central question of the movie had switched at the at the gunshot, uh, uh, when Cage shoots the gun seller, if the central question shifted to will Elijah Wood survive this movie, we sort of began to move much more to his sort of <laughs> point of view, and yet their repartee stayed the same, I think a lot of that stuff would have been consistent, right? And, and there are clues to that, too, consistent in terms mm-hmm. of, of, of Cage's character. There are clues to that, like when he's left alone. So Cage is left alone up in the room after... They They've snuck into the or broken into the apartment, and they find the woman and the man in the apartment. They have them zip tied and are sitting on the bed. And Elijah Wood's going to go out and get the stuff from the you know get their gear get the, and get the drill, get the drill right. You know <laughs> that damn drill that he has had to, that he has had to pay for right that he is on the hook for. Yep. You know what I mean? The, the paper trail leads to him anyway. When Elijah Wood comes back in, 
it looks like they've both both been shot. Well, it turns out it's only the guy. Cage has just shot the guy. But you get the you get. I got the impression there that no, he really is a sociopath. Like like Elijah Wood better watch out. He's been planning this all along. I just think that would have been a much more satisfying movie you know whatever you do in terms of the in terms of the plot the, the rest of the the rest of the way because it because it shed it, it shades sheds a new light on on all of the cage stuff before now you realize could have been in in my my version of the movie all that was planned all that was you know he, he marches into the casino to confront the the guy that they're that they're following early in the movie and elijah wood has to be saying no you can't just walk in you, you look like a cop if he's doing that to gain elijah wood's confidence that's a amazing if he's doing right. that just because it's a just because he's a quirky guy and hey sometimes i just shoot people and sometimes i'm really funny like that's just le- inherently i think less interesting and less sort of human to me and so the the, char- the characters i think that's part of why they begin to feel more thin as the movie goes along and maybe what it is is that the sort of um generic qualities of the story begin to show through once the characters like it shows through the thinness of the characters at that point so you notice it more i bet you wouldn't have noticed it if if the characters had been a little more complex at that point now that you mention it, I mean, I see the opportunities there. I never once got the sense that Cage was going to turn on Elijah, but there are moments, and there's one in my mind now, after Cage shoots the one guy in the apartment, um, like a um, security guard shows up outside when Elijah Woods sort of keep in cover and you see Nick Cage like in the window with a gun pointed out down at both of them and at that moment right. he could have taken both of them out right like that could have been another one of those moments to play up if they were going the route will Nick Cage take out his partner was it all a setup in order for him to just get away in the end so yeah it's interesting now thinking about it there's more opportunities to play that up and and that might have satisfied you know my issues with the end they're just needing to be uh, an extra step, you know, an extra step beyond what we've seen before, and that could have worked. Well, I think kind of the problem is that a lot of the character development that we see is because of the actors and not necessarily because of the writing. Like, we've seen time and time again that Cage just has these ideas for characters, right? And he just brings them in. Like, I don't know how many of these things... Like, I don't know if, you know, him spraying the Banaka the wrong way was in the script or if that was just the thing that Cage thought would be funny. But I think that the script just doesn't develop them enough and that if it took more time in the beginning and the middle, then, you know, the end wouldn't feel as rushed because things would fall into place more, like exactly what you guys are saying, you know? Like, I just think that, like, they're so intent on, like, racing through this story that they don't take the time to really set anything up. And, like, on, like, a gut, like a basic instincts level, like, I think it works because, like, there's, like, these real moments of, like, you know, whatever emotion, right? Like, there's, like, there's genuine, like, you know, gut laughs, there's, like, scary moments where, like, Cage freaks out, there's real tension, like, when people either get killed or almost get killed, you know, the end scene where Elijah Wood's driving away is really tense. Like, on a more intellectual level, it just doesn't react or respond as well, and that's just sort of a little disappointing. Yeah, there there are character setups early on in the movie that that uh, don't pay off, and if they did, I think they would they would work really well. Like there's one moment where Elijah Wood comes to Cage's house. Um, Jerry Lewis answers the door. Jesus Christ, Jimmy, it's your friend. Where the hell are you going at this hour? Official police business, Dad. Who's the cop? I am, Dad. We both are. Good night. Good luck. Dad's unusually a beat tonight. No. Yeah. It's good to see. Yeah, right. And again, any scene where Jerry Lewis 
is in this movie is a great scene. He's really good. Like, you can't take your eyes off. And there's only two scenes, right? I mean, it's a minimal, minimal sort of role. The conversation then that Cage has with Elijah Wood as they're, as they're walking away from the house, Nicholas Cage says something like, yeah, it's a tough day for Dad. Uh, Elijah Wood's like, yeah, I could tell, or something. Like, you get the sense that they Elijah Wood's been to this house before. He's met the dad yeah. before. There's a whole history between these guys. And I think that there's just... I kept waiting, like, to, to, I have all in my notes, like, is he his long lost son? Is he, are they cousins? Are they just buddies? Like, it's all this sort of early on, there's all this sort of, not quite mystery, but just, we're left wondering what their relationship is. And it just, just turns out, if you're looking for the answer to that in this movie, it's not there. And I think if it had been, you imagine those conflicts that, Joey, you're right, work really well at the end, where they're, where they're sort of going after one another at the end. How much more powerful would that be if there had been a a sense of what that history was between them. I think yeah. all that stuff would have, would have resonated so much more. You know, and I don't want to. I, I don't want to come off like I'm hating this movie. I'm not. I'm. I'm. In, I'm enjoying the movie. Like I, I. You know, I'm going to recommend it to my dad. You know, this is his cage. <laughs> this is his kind of cage movie. And I think it's. I think he's. You know, there are people for whom this is going to be just exactly what you need. I just think it could have been. You know, even better. Uh, we're not trashing this movie at all. You know, like I think we all really enjoyed it. Um, it is what it is, but it's interesting that there are those opportunities there that they set themselves up with that they just end up doing nothing with. So there's a, a sense of that short sightedness in the process of the filmmaking of this. I mean, and I think that, you know, I think you might just see that more. We may just see that more, you know, because we watch more movies and we're looking for more, you know, but the average viewer, I feel, will enjoy this um, a lot more than the past few Nick Cage movies. You know, I think going all the way back to like Stolen or something like that, like I, I get that kind of vibe off of this where they are, they do want to tell this, you know, heist thriller but they also want it to be fun you know they they don't want it to be all grim and dark you know what i'm saying like even though they're dark moments it's a dark comedy you know and they do not skimp on that whatsoever whether it be actual jokes or mannerisms or you know just the comedy of these people's personalities that stuff shines through and it really does elevate the material for me there's one quote i have written down here at the end that i wish like, I love the quote, but I don't think that it makes much sense within the context of the movie. When they finally break into the safe, or as they're about to, and like, there's like this real sense of like, almost like, you know, going from Kansas to Oz, right? And like, it's like this whole new world. And Elijah Wood says, I don't know what's down there. I don't know where we are right now. And Cage says, we're in the heart of the American dream. And I love that line, but I don't know that it, like, I don't know if this movie deserves that line. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a great, like, this is, like, the future. This is the possibility. Like, it could be anything. Like, you know, we have all this possibility. You don't know it, but I have two plane tickets in my pocket. We have, you know, millions and millions of dollars in diamonds right here that are ours to the taking. That, like, this is, like, you know, this is bettering ourselves. And I love that line. I love, like, what that line means. But I don't know that this movie deserves that kind of line. You know what I mean? It's the kind of line that the first half of this movie would have earned. And it's just the second half of the movie doesn't. Because you're right. It, it sh- that, and maybe it's that it's not, the movie's lost, maybe maybe the movie's lost its way a little bit. <laughs> you know? Maybe the storytelling's lost its way a little bit. And that Elijah Wood is voicing, you know, quite honestly what's going on with the movie at that point. Because you're right. It should be, that that that, that line should land. And you know mm. when I was when I'm watching it alone, not in a you know room full of people who are seeing it for the first you know at a world premiere, the that the line doesn't land in a, in the way that it should. 
Yeah, I also thought, now thinking on it, it would have been a great line to say right before he turns on Elijah Wood, right? Like, he shoots him right after saying something like that. Like, this is my American dream. You know, everyone's out for their own. Because extensively, like, by that logic, that would be what that quote should mean, right? Like, the American dream is, like, you could get what you want, but recently it's sort of been interpreted to mean, like, everyone's out for themselves, right? You're out for yourself to get what you want and to make your own better life, not to help your fellow man. So it would be kind of a more powerful line if he says it as he turns on his partner or something but it's still it's still a cool line you know I, I think it's great that cage gets to deliver it that that line sort of lets me know that these writers are capable of more you know what i'm saying right. there's more than they're putting out there and it's sort of it's trying to come through but maybe they're just not uh seasoned enough as filmmakers and writers yet maybe they're getting a little tripped up because nick cage is in their very first movie i mean who wouldn't what bothers me about that line is that it could be the real turning point of the movie because like as the movie goes on, and I think always in crime movies, you really start to see, you start to play this game where you're like, who's going to survive? Like, you know, is Cage going to survive this? Is Elijah Wood going to survive this? Are they going to, if they do die, are they going to die at the hands of one another? Or is the world going to take them out or whatever? And I think that like that could be a real turning point in the movie where you have to like really think, you know, as you were saying, Tobin, I think, you know, this that could be the moment, or uh, Mike, you might have said it, where like he just turns on him and shoots him right then, but he doesn't. If it had been set up more, because like they're so different, like, they're, these characters are so radically different from one another, that Cage is just like so reckless and so sociopathic, and Elijah Wood is so timid and meek and naive that like you don't know why they're really together like you don't know if it's just you know this power that cage is able to exert over elijah wood or who knows what but like i, I wish i knew why they were together because right. like they don't belong together mm-hmm. like it's sort of like an odd couple there as the movie goes on like as you hear this line you really sort of start to think that like cage is too reckless to survive and elijah wood is just too naive and gullible to survive in the end like that's exactly why they both die that cage cage has this like idea that or or whatever like his ideas are too big he's got these two grand ideas and that's why elijah wood goes to kill him and then elijah wood's seeming trust of this woman that he has no idea even though he finds they find this entire closet full of guns and just her saying oh i don't know whose they are like that's enough for him they're too far removed moved from sort of rational thinking to be able to make it through this whole ordeal. So I have one or two ideas that might sort of fix their relationship into why they're with each other. Maybe if Cage just was blackmailing Elijah Wood, like, you know, I'm your superior, you smoke weed on the job, you are prostitutes, I have photos of you, whatever. He could definitely just nail Elijah Wood for something. The guy is, like, clearly can't defend himself on any any level, like, physically or socially. It would be easy for Cage to manipulate him that way. Or, I think one of you said earlier, make him related, make him nephew and uncle, like, that would be such an interesting dynamic. This isn't your dad, but it's your dad's brother, so he doesn't really have, like, he didn't raise you, but he knows you. Like, there could just be some really interesting trust dynamics going on with that type of relationship. And it could also give uh, Elijah Wood some more scenes with uh, Jerry Lewis, and, you know, everyone could sort of be related on some level. And it, it just gives a shorthand for characters to be able to have that just trust, right? Like, non-questioning. Like, why am I doing this? Oh, we're family, you know? Why would I even turn on you? You know, you're my brother's son, whatever. So, one or two little things like that might have helped. Yeah, Mike, I think you're totally right. And Joey, you said something earlier that I hadn't thought before that I think, but I think is true. You know, rarely do you wish a movie is longer, especially these days. <laughs> but I, I think you're right. I think I think there, there would have been room in this movie for more, again, more scenes to, to develop these characters, 
uh, to spend time with them that then would maybe even if you didn't change much about the way about what happens at the end about the events of the end of the movie they would carry a lot more weight because you would understand the characters a little more and i really think again we're getting back to that to that that same i'm getting back to that same thing that i think if, if we understood them more i think we would feel for them more at the end you know my thought as a as a as the movie ends you know uh, well one of the things as, as as they're breaking into the safe the thing that i actually wrote down in my notes is that uh, it made me want to go watch thief i don't know if you've seen the michael mann movie but it's a, a safe cracker oh, michael mann movie james Kahn. Yeah, James Caan. Yeah, uh, it's a great movie. You know, gets into into character in a way that this movie just doesn't come any anywhere near. And it's it's hard when you when you're in you know, when you you have that in your head. It's it's hard maybe to see things as as clearly as they are. But my thought as the movie ended is that I wonder if and far be it for me to sort of decide what what other you know artists should do with their careers. But I would love to see these these directors direct some TV, direct some some TV where you know the scripts are are written you know by by the writers. And then they come in and, and, and are able to sort of um, give the actors whatever they're doing for the actors to give them the room to get the performances that they got out of these out of these actors. Because, the, again, the fact that that all of the actors that I see in the movie are, you know, acting if they feel like they're acting in the same movie and they're all you know acting together, which, which is an indication to me that the directors know what they're doing when they're working with their actors. And so I wonder if you had a situation where they, they could step into a, a sort of a, an ongoing, you know, a moving train and the narrative is sort of is sort of taken care of for them and their job is is then to sort of give us give us the moments with the actors that then they could i think they could do a really good job with that kind of material i, I was we were so high on them earlier but i keep coming back to that like very end scene and i think it works better from their writing perspective than their directorial perspective i'm not sure like, i don't know how i feel about it because like after elijah wood is killed you know he drives away with this girl and he's gonna like let her out in the field and then he finds out that the people that he let her call are there with him. And, you know, they, they, pull up, they open up the back doors of the van. They shoot him in the head. The girl goes free like the bad guys basically win. And the cops get killed, even though the cops are sort of the bad guys. Right. And, like, there's, like, this, this nice sense of irony and, like, this, like, twist of fate. The people who are in evidence collection wind up as nothing more than just a box of evidence. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like that's like that's that great, like, you know, there's like two lives just basically condensed into this like one little box that nobody's gonna care about. But like at the same time, there's like this wacky, goofy music that's like the same from the opening. And I don't know that it fits the tone. Because right. like that end is like a somber reflection of like Oh, like these people who were generally pretty good people who just did one thing, got in over their heads, and were killed. Now look at them; like nobody's going to remember them. But like at the same time, like as a director, you 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 have this like really goofy, wacky music. It's just like oh, like that's kind of all right. Like I don't know; it just that feels weird. That like I agree with you. I think for the most part that I'd like to see them direct things that, you know, are part of a moving train, as you said, that have been written for them, that, you know, they're able to get these next-level performances out of characters. But I think at the end there, I don't know what happened. I don't know if they sort of lost their way, but I don't know about you guys. It just didn't necessarily work for me, that closing shot of the movie. Yeah, I hear hear what you're getting at. I mean, sometimes movies can just run out of steam towards the end, you know, and and this does a really good job of trying to stay together. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can still see the edges and pieces of it have, have sort of broken off and crumbled to the floor, 
but it's still trying to stay on course. Yeah, they may be doing a bit too much there towards the end. Like, it's a great statement, like you said, but their accent or their exclamation on it with that music does bring it in the wrong direction. For me, the viewer, you know, we're already past the point of funny, and now this is more sort of, like, dark and, like, ironic, and, oh, this is not kind of like a ha-ha look. He ended up in a box as a box of evidence but it's more of like um, oh that's like a cruel sort of twist of fate for this guy like you know he's just a thing on the shelf at this point so they tried to maybe pull it in the wrong direction there at the end for the very end by adding that music cue I mean music cues are extremely powerful in films you know what I'm saying and they can change the tone of a scene extremely easily and yeah I think if they just ended it with like a darker sound like one of those like deep dark drones that that we love to hear in horror films or thrillers or something like that because there's no need to go back to the lightness right like both characters are dead we don't want to really go back to that we want to see the true aftermath the reality the realness like ended on the real note instead of the false note yeah you know the the music cue at the end here along with these images this is the coen brothers ending or or the ending to the coen brothers version of this movie which i wouldn't be opposed to seeing sort of a return to the to their blood simple roots right or the man who wasn't there and and i i love i love that but they're able to sort of match their cynicism they're they're able to leaven their cynicism and i don't know that these guys can at least i don't know that they did here and so the end to me feels very feels very cynical feels a little bit more like haha look what we did aren't we clever it didn't sit i agree joey didn't sit well with me the idea of it did and maybe you're right maybe it's the music i didn't quite put that together because i really enjoyed the music in the opening um and i think it fits the opening of the movie but but maybe maybe it's just that the movie changed underneath them and they you know stuck to an original plan or wanted to underline or make make people not feel so depressed. I just wish they hadn't been either uh, afraid of that or or shied away from that because I think it would have, I think it could have been a much, a much more powerful ending. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just little moments like this throughout the film where, no pun intended, but they didn't trust themselves maybe as much as they should have, right? Like to oh. to let things play a certain way or, or go, you know, a certain direction and maybe try to play it a little too safe certain parts. And I'd love to see what they do next, you know, and hopefully they take it up a notch and they let themselves reach a little more. You know, we can't forget this is a first film. Right. And I mean, you don't want to necessarily grade on a curve, but there's a there's a certain sense in which it used to be they they talk about the old days, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, that you could make a few films before you before you were told to stop. And the danger is these days that your first film usually has to hit in, in enough of a way or with enough people or the right people in order to get to keep making movies. That's my fear here is that is that they might become subject to sort of, oh my gosh, you, you weren't able to do XYZ in your first movie, uh, so you're done. You're in director jail forever. I, I hope they don't come to that fate. And and also if they <laughs> if they ever listen to this, I hope that they don't feel like we're picking on them. It's just that the opening of the movie had such promise, and I think that they're very talented in a, in a lot of ways. Like really talented, and I enjoyed so much of this movie, uh, and I and I hope that they have the chance in subsequent movies to to get better. The three of us liked it, and I think that you know it does. Like this is this is, it's it's weird what happened in this episode that also happened in several other episodes where it's a movie where all three of us like the movie, and like you know I think for the most part would recommend the movie to just about anybody, especially you know people who like Cage or like Crazy Cage or whatever. And it just sometimes I don't know what happens. Like there's just like these movies that we like that we just wind up sort of trashing for a while. And I don't know how that happens, but it happens. Whatever. 
But I can tell you that three of us liked it. The reaction at South by Southwest was overwhelmingly positive. You know, the director of the festival tries to introduce as many movies as possible, who held the Q&A. She was really interested in it. She really liked it. You know, she was, like, intrigued by their story. I don't think that these guys are going to have a problem making more movies. I really hope that they don't have a problem, because I don't think this is a bad movie. I think it falls short on a little bit of in a few ways, like we talked about. But I think that they're going to be just fine. And I really hope that they're just fine, because... I would definitely want to see more movies from these directors, and not in the same way that we want to see more movies from the Frozen Ground director, just because they sounded so insane about werewolves. Or what, remember, like <laughs> yes. the, those crazy, crazy <laughs> ideas. Yes, yes, yes. Like I genuinely have faith in these guys as filmmakers, and I want to see more stories they yes. have to tell. Good. I think they're going to be fine. I hope they're going to be fine, but you know, I, I think they're going to be good. Yeah, I can already tell you they're on the plus side of Cage Club directors because you can just get the sense that the kind of guys who trust their actors right they trusted nick cage to bring the cage and you know and he does like for what it's worth like he's here he's present again i feel like he's in the role having fun with the material finding his little moments to accentuate them i give him credit for that alone to let trust nick cage to be nick cage and to do what he does and to bring his magic and and that extended you know to um elijah wood like i feel like i like this guy as an actor i've followed his career you know through the years and stuff and you know i think this is some of his better stuff i think recently he's been doing a lot of good stuff the movie cooties last year was a really fun sort of horror film that he was yeah. good in. Pretty similar character role and stuff, but yeah, everyone's really bringing it, and uh, I look forward to seeing what these guys do, and I look forward to the next Cage film. And I can also tell you that based on what Elijah Wood was saying, it seemed like he got the script, you know, they sent it to his agent, his agent gave it to him, and like within a day or two, he was like on the phone with these guys, like, you know, he loved the script. You know, however, I don't know how he feels. I mean, you know, he was saying all the right things about, you know, how the movie turned out. However, he really feels in his heart that the movie turned out. Like, he knows that these guys are talented. I think it just, you know, I'm excited to see what comes next for these guys because, you know, it's good. Yes, exactly. This is a good movie that could have been great. That's that's really yeah. what, what what I'm saying anyway. This is a good movie that could have been great. I will see whatever they make next. And and I, I have real faith. I have real faith that they'll be able to sort of to, to, to get actors to these places again. Any last thoughts about the movie that we did not cover yet? Any miss any cage connections that we missed? Well, I don't have any I don't think I have any cage connections. We didn't really talk about that one moment um where Cage sort of goes undercover and gets a job at the yeah. casino just to follow <laughs> yeah. the one guy and sort of follow the money to figure out where they're hiding uh, all the cash at that little store and everything. Like, that was a really interesting sequence. So that was a bit of a Cage connection was Undercover Cage. We, we've seen him in a couple of films be doing that. The only other scene I kind of wanted to mention was they're going over the plan and they have it all marked down on the roof of a casino. I don't know <laughs> what roof that is. The roof of the police department, I like to believe. Like, they're just on the roof of the police department planning out their heist elijah wood's character has sort of mapped everything out in tape he makes this one comment which is just one of those moments which makes me really like this movie where elijah was like man this took me three hours and you just get the sense that it's the most work he's done <laughs> yes, for like yes. months and months, you know, yes. and and it's just not appreciated. Even though Nick Cage like totally patronizes him about it and stuff, and he just like sad Elijah Wood just like rips up the tape and he's like, oh well. <laughs> well, what I thought was also really funny was that like he does like this whole intricate tape job, right? That took him three hours. Yes. And, like, the only thing that Cage points out is there's, like, this one little section <laughs> yes. where the tape is, like, askew, 
And Cage is like, what happened there? He's like, oh, you know, that's when, like, a bug attacked me, but don't worry about it. Like, that's, like, that's all he says. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's just like, this little moment, but, like, you know, you're right, Mike. Like, he did all this work, you know, a way above and beyond the, the amount of work that he normally does, and all that Cage cares about is, like, the one little screw-up that he had. Like, it's just, it's, it's such a great moment on both of their behalves. Like, I, I love that scene. And also, yeah, like, the, the undercover Cage stuff, like, that, ooh, man, like, when he's, like, when he's just holding those towels and just, like, walking between the women, just, like, you know, like, anything he can do to just sort of be a little bit creepy, a little bit handsy, a little bit gropey. And then, like, there's, like, that circle. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're just, like, decompressing after a day of work, but there's, like, that circle of workers <laughs> inside. And Cage is, like, I guess, like, telling a story, but we don't know what he's saying, but all we see him is, like, he's, like, sort of shadow boxing. Like, yeah, then I went up to this guy or whatever, and, like, he just, like, does it for a little bit, then sits back down, and then immediately gets back up again, and then does it, like, for way longer. And, like, I, I want to hear that story. Like, I almost, like, I'd, I'd rather not know what he's talking about, but I also so want to know yeah, what he's talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of gold during that little montage. I mean, when he when he drops the tray of burgers, you know, uh, <laughs> when he's trying to <laughs> yes. walk towards, yeah, that when he drops the tray of burgers, I was I was thinking Jerry Lewis. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, like maybe he's channeling. Maybe he watched the Bellboy uh, in his trailer between takes or something. But it feels like he's channeling a bit of Jerry Lewis during that montage, and and, and that's a nice little sequence. Any any last thoughts, Tobin? Anything that we uh, we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we covered? No, I think uh, I think I hit all the things I wanted to talk about. The only actor who's in this movie that's been in other stuff with Cage is Kevin Wiseman, who played Roy in this movie. I don't remember where he was in the movie, but he was in The Rock and Gone in 60 Seconds. So I think that, you know, we had all these, like, minor Cage connections when Cage kept doing movies in New Orleans because it's, like, locals. He hasn't really done a movie in Las Vegas in a while, so there aren't really locals, but it's sort of cool to see, you know, a guy come back from, ooh, 15 and 20 years ago just sort of in a movie with Cage again. So, kind of cool. And speaking of Gone in 60 Seconds, I guess I did have one more thing to say. I love the scene, again, with the mechanic where, where Nicolas Cage is, is talking to the mechanic about this, you know, fancy... He, and he walks over and, and sort of, oh, nice car, or whatever he says as he as he's walking past it. And I, I couldn't help but sort of flash to Gone in 60 Seconds in that moment, like him sizing up the, these vehicles and, you know, like little, little <laughs> things. That, there are, you're right, I hadn't entirely thought of it maybe because I'm not as immersed, quite as immersed in Cage as you guys are. But all the little, the, those little nods to to previous Cage characters and Cage moments. But so maybe, maybe this movie is is even is even sweeter for those those Cage Cage fanatics. Yeah, I mean, all it needed was Michael Shannon in the evidence room walking around, right? <laughs> can't touch things like from Port of Call New Orleans, and uh, <laughs> we've had another connection. So that'll just about do it for this episode of Cage Club. We'll have another one for you, hopefully, in about a month. You know, if, if USS Indianapolis does not get delayed, I think it's supposed to come out on Memorial Day weekend, so hopefully right around then we should have another one. So, Tobin, thank you very much for joining us. You will not be with us for USS Indianapolis, but you will be with us for Snowden, which is coming out this fall and getting some award buzz. So we'll have to wait about six months to get you on for that, but it's going to be worth it. I think that movie's going to be great. So thank you for stopping by and talk to you again real soon. Sounds great, guys. Thanks. So for all things Cage Club, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can find all of our 78 episodes that we did up to this point. You can find our other podcasts on the network 
all things Cage, all things Keanu, Zac Efron, Monkeys, everything you want in terms of movie podcasts we have for you. Check those out, subscribe on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, all sorts of fun stuff. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Tobin Addington, and we'll see you next time on Cage Club. Cage Club.